Welcome to another episode of Bobcast. With you as always is Bob, live in the lounge, staring at the Ouija board. Tonight's guest I met maybe the better part of a decade ago. I actually had the pleasure of teaching his kids. And uh, when I first met him, I noticed two things about him. One, he had such a, like a light all around him. And two, he gave really good hugs, you know? And as a guy, some guys are like, oh, yeah. No, bro, okay, you hug each other. human you got to take care of each other, and that's important. And I can tell when I looked into his eyes that he takes care not only of his kids, but the people who are in his community. And I, I knew that, like, you know, I had a responsibility to be, you know, his daughter's teacher. But at the same time, I couldn't wait to just become friends with him. So with that being said, welcome to the lounge, everybody. Mr. Jeff Makowitz. Wow, that is a quite an introduction. Now do you Thank feel you. more at home? You feel relaxed? I do. I do. Good. It's really nice to be here. It's very nice of you to say those kind things. And oh, definitely. It was the truth, man. That was it was a very positive experience I had with your your um your daughter and your sons uh, you know, at that school. So I mean, I really, you know, appreciate all the kindness that you gave me. Uh, I, re- I actually drove by Sky Zone today, and I thought of you, and I was like, I got the podcast <laughs> with him tonight. <laughs> That's because great. Um, we all went there, and that was like way before I even had a kid, you know. So like, it really helped me working with kids at the elementary age, so I could, uh, you know, get get prepared. So kind of like my experience there was like my like formative high school years of parenting. You know what I mean, like. I never de- I got a degree in uh, you know parenting in high school or I mean I did, you know what I shouldn't I should take that back because we did have home ec. Did you have home ec? No, I well, actually in junior high we had some home ec. Okay, but okay. so we did have it and then it just got expunged from the schedule because they're yeah. like no we can't have that no more, um, and that was just rough. I was just like what's going on with that you know? Well, I think. You know, having experience with kids before you have a kid is mm-hmm. great. Oh, yeah. But actually having kids, mm-hmm. it's a whole, oh, whole different ballgame. Because ball one, you love this little thing mm-hmm. more than you ever knew you could love anything. Yeah. And so it makes your decision making a little more crazy. Mm-hmm. And the second thing is... It does make your decision-making crazy. Right? That's a good point. When when you were teaching my kids, you were a person who cared about mm-hmm. them, but you were still able to see Go the home. world objectively. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, it's totally... It, it's so weird. Like, uh, for those listening who don't have a kid, okay, I can tell you, whatever you think it is, it's not, but it does definitely change you. And it teaches you a lot about yourself. And it's amazing to me, like, uh, I mean, you're a good dad. You know what I mean? Like, it, it's sad to me when I see dads that are not good dads to their kids. You know what I mean? It's like, what? What are you doing, bro? You're on Instagram partying it up. You should be with the, your kid over here, you know? And I hate that, dude. I shouldn't say I hate because I hate saying I hate. But I I loathe it. I, I, I don't I don't know. I just think it's a shame that kids can't get a fair chance sometimes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, and, you know, that's in many ways the through line of my this this chapter of my life Mm -hmm. is trying to reach out and help as many kids as possible to get the best possible opportunity that they have. Yeah. All my volunteer work, all the time that I spend on the different projects, that's the common theme is who, who can you help who needs it? Who yeah. No one else, you know, otherwise they're not going to get it. Yeah, man. And, you know, I knew when I met you that you, you got that, you know, and um, I, it just amazes me because now I'm getting older and I'm starting to see, you know, the different peoples in the world who, you know, they've got that evilness to them where they just they have no empathy towards children. And it's just, you know, like it's it's scary because you know how like, you know, the kids say you say to your kid, there's no monsters where well, there is monsters. There's monsters who allow genocide to happen, you know 
all over the world and it's just it's terrible it still doesn't make sense to me that people just can't live in peace right like you know what i'm saying well you you know that i peace is a central tenant of everything that i believe in Mm -hmm. and um you know i i think that the the biggest challenge that i have Mm -hmm. is cognitively intellectually i always want to be able to look at the person who's in front of me and see the very best in them Mm -hmm. because that's the the way to peace whether it be person to person or in a larger community but man can that sometimes be a real challenge Mm because you know you're struggling with your own self yeah but now you're struggling with the person in front of you and maybe they're just not your type of person or they did something that you don't understand. Whew. Yeah. How do you get yourself to a place where you're at peace so that you can engage with them about it is the it's constant hard. challenge. That's a challenge, yeah. I actually um, recently went through that conflict with somebody at work and um, I, I thought about how to go about it, you know, because I had to speak up for myself. And it is really hard to do it in a way that still projects the propensity for peace against, uh, you know, violence. You know what I'm saying? Because you, you, your, your body, by definition, you know, like I had to get hot with them. I, you know, there's no way to describe it. And like I could feel my body, you know, reacting to, towards the rage. And that's crazy, really. And I wonder, um, you know, if animals feel that, you know. Do you think animals feel rage towards like humans or you think that it's just one thing that we got that makes us just completely unpredictable. Well, I I think that actually what you're seeing in that moment is the layering of thousands, tens of thousands, millions of years of evolution, right? Mm -hmm. So the part of your brain that jacks up the adrenaline, gets your flight or fight response going Mm, when you're upset was something that was developed to keep that animal ancestor of you alive yeah it's great long before you yeah. had this prefrontal cortex that could have the conversation that we're having right now I know, so the is problem wrong. is that thing that's down deep in your brainstem mm-hmm. is powerful yeah it's instinctful right right so you got to deal with that to deal with the other person so you know the one thing that someone once told me mm-hmm. um that I thought was really helpful was she said, conflict is where two people really meet. Mm, that's great. Yeah, I could see that definitely. Yeah, it's like the, the gunslingers without their guns. Right. Meeting I at mean, high noon. I mean, think about it. In a lot of ways, if you never have any conflict with another person, in some ways what you're saying is you don't care about them. Yeah. Because the people that you don't care about or they have no impact on your life you're just like yeah whatever yeah and you walk away and you don't care right uh, it's the people you care about that hurt you the most or the right? people that have impact on your life or impact, involved yeah. with your life in some way and so the only way you're ever really going to get to know someone deeply is uh not only through conflict but those are the moments when you're going to come to understand another person in a different deeper or more important way than you've ever understood them before that's a good point yeah so that's one of the things that i think about i think that that listen it's easy to say it's impossible to do when you're having a conflict with another person or a disagreement one try to go into that conversation remembering that you could be wrong let me let me ask you a question. Do yeah. you think it's right or wrong to practice what you're going to say? What do you mean to practice it? To uh, uh, practice what you're going to your dialogue, what you're going to say to the person you're having. No, not with. at all. So I am a big proponent of that. I like the word proponent tonight because it's got those P's in it. You know, um, you I like, like that. I like P. to go. I like to go over what I'm going to say so that way it comes across as simple as possible. You know, so that way they get it and from a place of still understanding, you know what I mean? Like, look, bro, I, I, I know we got some stuff to go through. Uh, you know, I, I, we can move ahead or we can move backwards. What do you want to do? You know what I mean? It's hard, but it sometimes it happens. But I can I can say that the guy that uh, I had the problem with at work, 
I didn't speak to you for a couple of days. And it was nice to just take a break. And then when you take a break from talking to somebody, it doesn't. When you take a break from somebody, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're taking a break from like humanity. Right. You're taking a break from that uh, primal instinct in the back of your neck that's crawling yeah. up like spiders at night. You know what I mean? Yeah, you need some space. Oh, so yeah. I think there's nothing wrong with thinking carefully about how you're feeling, maybe even planning out what you're going to say. But you have to go into that conversation knowing that you could be wrong. Mm-hmm. And you have to be prepared to change your mind. You mm-hmm. have to be willing and open to have your mind changed by that conversation. Because if you're not, it's not actually a conversation. Not at all. You're yeah. making an announcement. That's a really good point, yeah. It's It's a proclamation. I just think some people are um, incapable of uh, following this. That's the scary thing. Um, I think it was like two two weeks ago. I just... I saw some like you know some bad people you know and like it, I hadn't seen bad people in a while because I hadn't left the nest in a while I went out one night by myself let's put it that way and um, I saw some bad people because I had been stuck with my family you know for a while and it's really been months really since I was out on my own I saw them and it was just this creepy feeling inside me it's just like I hadn't seen the evil in a while and it just because I, I could tell they were like ready to inflict you know uh, pain on somebody else and when you see that look in somebody else's eye you know what I mean? It's it's weird to me just the way that that still exists, and we haven't figured a way around that. If if like had the money of Elon Musk, you know, they're making all these cars, you know, self propelling shit. I would make a, an app that makes you into a better human. Yeah, controls your controls your emotions like a Bruce Banner app. <laughs> you know what there's, I mean? There's there's no app for that, man. No, there's no app. There's there's apps for everything. Yeah, but you, don't want, you know, you know, it'd be cool mm-hmm. if there were an app that could help you see what's happening inside your brain right oh, now. Oh, yeah, the brain cloud, like, oh, the anger coming over. Or whatever, because mm-hmm. we, you know, the people, the, you know, the most lies we tell are to ourselves, right? That's true. So, like, that'd be kind of cool, like, oh, I'm saying this over here, yeah. and the app beeps and says, uh-uh. You don't mean that. <laughs> That'd be wild, but that's that's definitely. I mean, like they claim now that it is. We've already allowed the the machines to take over us. At least that's what Elon says. Is that uh, like we are cyborgs now because we have our phones on us at all all times and we can look up stuff, you know, which leads me to a great segue. Yeah, I uh, I uh, traffic has been very unpredictable lately. Okay. In the 90s, in the 80s, you could pretty much tell what was going to happen around here. Now, you can get stuck for a while. And you want to know why? I could tell you why. Because for the five to six seconds that someone's staring at their phone at a red light, okay, the traffic is building up by these six seconds, four to six seconds, you know, compiled throughout the workday. The fact that we can't even put it down, you know. So I've been thinking, you know, I'm I'm coming up on uh, episode 200. And uh, I'm contemplating, like, getting rid of the phone, you know, and just still doing the podcast but not using the phone for anything. Because I did it once before, and it's I could feel it come to a head right now. People are out of their goddamn minds with these cell phones. And it's it's scary. And I, I should even talk because I also use my phone for alarm and keep it on all night by my head. Who knows what's going on? But the traffic thing, do you feel me on that? Yeah, uh, you know, it's a good question. So... They do say that any slowdown in traffic creates an exponential increase to the, each car behind. Exactly. Right? So if you're four seconds, then mm-hmm. it's eight seconds, then it's whatever the so algorithm I even knew that. is. That's great. So, so it just builds and builds yeah. and builds. Because, I mean, haven't mm-hmm. you ever wondered why, you know, when there's no accident and there's no uh, construction on the road and the road is moving at like five miles an hour and mm-hmm. you're like, what's going on? I think part of it is because of all of those add-on effects of all these little things that add up. It's crazy. I think. I'm not a transportation engineer, but... I I, I just, I mean, it's weird because... um, So I've talked about this two episodes ago too, but I got into an accident one day. Somebody hit me from behind, and I have knock on wood, haven't been in an accident since maybe my early 20s, almost 20 years, you know? And when I got hit, it was such a weird... I felt violated. I felt like somebody had, like... Not hurt me, but violated me. Because Did you come out of the car swinging? 
No. Were you ready to yell? So so here's the weird thing, and I talked about it two episodes ago. I wasn't phased. I wasn't phased at all because I was in a really good mood, you know? Um, (laughs) Nice. I was on the way to see my family at the pool, and um, they were really scared. They didn't hurt me too bad, you know? I'm like, I self-checked myself when I got out of the car. I knew that I was okay. And I let, you know, I was just like, she was. She told me she was on her phone, and uh, I told her, you know, I don't feel like getting, you know, the police out here. My car's from 1995. I'm okay, but just do me a favor, just get off your phone. You yeah. know what I mean? And uh, I felt pretty good about myself that uh, I did that. But then, like, I, I ever since that occurrence, I've been seeing the craziest stuff. I also then, maybe two weeks ago, almost got killed by a lady at a yellow light, and this has never happened to me before. And it's just like. I don't know if it's because uh, I'm working different hours or something, but I think I just think people are out of their minds. They're driving like crazy to look at their phones in general. Not at red lights, but racing to get home so they can look at their phones. So That, that should be a shirt. Uh, keep my uh, editor here. Yeah. Uh, whatever I just said there, print that in black on white. Thank you. So, um, so do you ever do this where you see – you're driving next to someone and you notice they're looking down at their phone. Yeah, and I'm, it's hard for me not to get that primal instinct then to go crazy. Well, so what I do is I just give a little hunk. Yeah. And then you see they look around. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, they, I've, done, I've done something. Sorry. They, they don't know, it's right? A very, it's a very, yeah, well, I mean, like, they, they also respond to, like, they're, um, they're scared. The violated thing I was talking about, though, just to clarify, when you get into an accident, you're getting into an accident because of a piece of machinery, right? And we don't think about that no more. Accidents happen because we created something, you know? And it's just such a weird concept. And it's just like, the more and more you think about it, I mean, the more and more, I mean, also, too, I was saying at dinner the other night, um, you know, people who meet on Tinder and get married. Is that God's will? Because of the technology? Do you know what I'm saying? Well, you're talking to an atheist over here, so I can't answer for God, so to speak. Well, I would love to know an atheist's point of view. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, so look at it this way, right? So think about online dating. Is it really? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what it's like. I, well, I've me known neither. my wife for 20 years. <laughs> I have, I have, I, it fascinates <laughs> me, though, that people like go on these things, and then there's the, you know, propensity to get married. <laughs> So think about it this way, right? Yeah. Uh, before the apps, mm-hmm. let's say you went out to a bar or a party mm-hmm. or a big event. That's right. I met my wife there. at a party. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Right. Every time you went out to a party, though, you did a sorting. Even before you talked to anyone, you were like, no, 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 no. Maybe yes. Maybe yes. Hell yes. Mm-hmm. Right. You you were doing that, right? Mm-hmm. And and then you talk to them find out a little bit about them and then you might be interested for another date you might not what online dating has done is it's kind of reversed that paradigm yeah. a little <laughs> well, bit that's right a great point right you're kind of doing the same process you're just doing it in a different way this way mm-hmm. you're you you before you have that first conversation you're finding out information about them already so yeah. you're kind of doing a pre-filter right it's... so it i don't think it's that different than what used to happen it's just the medium that you're doing me, it, yeah, and the order you, you, that you're sorting the order is different. But also, the I would argue it's the you know at a party there's thirty to fifty people tops, right? right. You can go through how many? I don't know this though. Maybe yeah. somebody can answer this. Uh, message me. How many? Can you just unlimitedly swipe? Can you just swipe forever <laughs> to find your match? Well, yeah, I bet you can, right? <laughs> I bet you can. But the difference is, mm-hmm. um, compare it to you can't compare it to just one party. How many social events mm. do yeah, you like go going to, to in your like life? A, yeah, even like going to the mall is the technically mall, a social event. Class, mm-hmm. college, whatever, right? So the access point, the entry point is different, and mm-hmm. the order that you're doing your vetting as wow. to who is different. But I don't think it's that much different. And in many ways, I think it's, um, you know, uh, it's a benefit because it widens your ability to find people that are more interesting to you. Mm -hmm. Um, I think this idea of opposites attract is actually a black, is kind of a red herring. I think actually people who are more similar do better in relationships than people that are more opposite. Yeah. 
And so I think the internet helps you find your thing. The match. And I think that's one of the beautiful things about the internet uh, when it's used for good is that people who feel marginalized, whether it's dating, social community, hobby, or whatever it might be, mm-hmm. you can find those people who who share your passion or share your whatever is the yeah. thing that you're needing in the world, whereas before, those people might have been totally isolated. So it's, it's, I guess, I mean, I see it as, but I've, I've seen people meet together. Is there an app for uh, people to see what their, for heterosexuals to see what their uh, kids would look like? Is there something that vain? I, I, I've I heard about is, that, right? where yeah, you take right. a picture of the two people and then see, they mash it thing, together. I guess but the, I don't I, think it's I don't reliable. Know. I think when it gets really hot like it is right now, I, I can just feel the buzz of technology more in my head. I'm more irritated by it because I guess I remember being hot as a kid and being like, I hate this. <laughs> you know what I mean? And like social media and stuff like that doesn't really uh, quell your uh, distaste for you know the human weather. So I'm always a little reluctant to blame the technology. This isn't the first time we've mm-hmm. seen radical changes in technology that has drastically altered mm-hmm. society and caused cultural dislocation, right? Industrial revolution, yeah. It's really up to people. Mm-hmm. How are you going to use the technology? How are you still going to be a person? Yeah, how are you still going to be a person? That's a great idea. Right. You know, how are you still going to be human? Right. How are you mm-hmm. going to, you know, how is the technology going to interact with your life? And the, I think, so back to the whole parenting thing where we yeah. started, the biggest problem right now is that my generation, mm-hmm. you know, I'm a lot older than you, Bob. I'm a, I'm a 39. How old are you? Yeah, I'm I can 10 ask years you. older than you. I'm four, I'll be 10. 49 in August. It's no, only 10. But it's a big deal. What, what here, age did you get a cell phone? Not until I was at least 19, 20 years old. Right. I got one when I was like 30. Okay. Well, I mean, like, wait, you're talking. No, no, no. Ten, that, uh, that, that, I think that's we, meaningful. But, okay. That's meaningful. But I would argue that our both of our generations grew up in very similar situations with similar types of media. But ask yourself, how old were you when you got your first social media account? Oh, uh, that's you probably a good had. What was that precursor to Facebook that failed? MySpace. You probably had a MySpace. Oh, I, didn't I, you? I, I actually I will take. You know, I don't gloat ever, but I've ruled MySpace. Yeah. Okay. It was a free so, market back then. All right. I rest my case. So you're 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 a little bit ahead of the curve mm-hmm. than my generation, but my generation trying to parent children who have cell phones and social media Mm -hmm. we don't know we we don't know how no one's ever done it before tell me what you mean so like what's your what's your feelings like when that happens so okay so uh i was never i mean this may shock you but i was i i was never a uh seventh grade girl okay Right, yeah, or an eighth grade girl, okay. and and the court, and I I I'm, I'm not down with the whole gender binary. I'm for moving past it, but mm-hmm. I trust my wife more than I trust myself. And she yeah. said to me when my daughter was in seventh and eighth grade, "You have no idea how hard it is to be um, a middle school girl. The social pressure, oh, pressure, the yeah. constant, and then with social media involved in it, yeah, boom, yeah. it's like." Pouring a Magnified. mixture of rocket fuel and napalm on top of all of that stuff that was mm, going my on. God, that's a good point. And we had a hard time helping her through that, mm. helping guide her because we didn't understand it. Not only were there techn I mean, I could educate myself on how the technology worked. Yeah. But I didn't understand how the kids use it in practice. Yeah. And there's no way in the world we'd ever be able to truly understand how she felt. Never, yeah. And it's also, too, like I was saying about the, the machinery, you know, the car hitting me. Like, the way that she's growing up isn't fair because of the current technology. Or, you know what I'm saying? Like, what's happening to her is not against... I, I would argue that it is against nature's law. So... Let me ask you a because question. Because technically, we should just be living together in the woods, collecting stuff, taking care of each other, right? Staying warm, having grog. Well, 
<laughs> you know what I mean? We could do that with technology too, right? Yeah, you can't, I know, the technology is not in the way of us taking care of each other. In it's fact, not too often I get to play the the other role of uh, right. being. What, what am I? Be, I'm, I guess I'm being uh, very conservative here. You're right, you're going what, back to yeah. nature. Yeah, you're you're, you're joining I'm going, the, I'm back going to the full, land. I'm movement. going full. Uh, <laughs> what was the guy's name? I actually read something on Into recently. the Kaczynski. Wild. No, Kaczynski. Oh, Ted Kaczynski. I didn't realize that he actually um, had worked for the government. And like, I'm on this whole Bob Lazar thing uh, on the Joe Rogan podcast, but we can talk about that later. Sure. I'm sorry to interrupt you. No, no. Well, you know, it's just that um, the the whole thing about it is, um, since we're so we're raising a generation of kids that we have no experience yeah, with no their one, experience. The yeah. And let me ask you a question. Mm -hmm. How many truly extraordinarily stupid and embarrassing things did you do growing up? A lot. Yeah, me too. A lot. And to relive it over and over again. And how many people know about them? Um, Just close personal friends. Exactly. Or just myself. When something bad happens like that and it spreads everywhere and like the feeling of it's it's a mixture of shame uh you know you, you, some people feel guilty some feel, like it's you know and it's just too much um in general for kids to deal with that and that was i i guess that that's one of the reasons why i left the public school system is because i saw the technology and i saw like what was going on and i started seeing like you know the rise of the avatar i remember when people used to say oh, he's getting an avatar like it was funny now everybody's got six to seven different avatars really? on their phone. Really? You know what I'm saying? Like Facebook, I consider yeah. an avatar. Like these are versions oh, of Oh, I yourself. see what you're saying. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like we, we say the word, like it's a, it's a vessel for who we are really, you yeah. know? I mean, Facebook, when you pass away, it becomes a, a you know, a more memorial thing. Right. It's a living thing. Yeah. And it's just like, ah, oh, man, well, this, is, this is what's going on. I saw something about people's necks today on the internet getting all messed up forming spikes here at the, the edge of like the spinal cord the neck Whoa. looking down yeah no so I'm, I'm having a really good time being a conservative guy over here yeah. but well i right. do i do stand i'm really scared as a dad to be honest you know facing the same obstacles that you're speaking about speaking about school safety stuff like that that makes my head just spin and i guess that's where it's coming from because i too also share in that feeling of just like not knowing the answer or not knowing how to go off something because we're just still relatively new into this chaotic world, I believe. Like since like, you know, school violence and all these like, you know, evil things that tie into our other part of the conversation. It just seems to me as if, you know, I mean, now, now more than ever is a good time to actually do something good. You know what I mean? We need more people doing good things. I could not agree with you more. Like, I, you know, I, and I think that, um, you know, from my particular expe- perspective, it's not the only platform to do it, but I do feel that Quaker education is a remarkable platform. It's another uh, great segue. Here we go. Yeah. Well, it's Quaker, a, yeah. yeah, it's a remarkable platform to give kids all the tools they need mm-hmm. to grow up into people who know who they are, know what they're passionate about and are ready to go out in the world and make a difference. Yeah. Um, and that's not in any way uh, a criticism of any other sort of educational program or philosophy. But from my perspective, what I've seen Friends Education do, it's amazing in the way that it propels these kids to think deeply about others and care mm-hmm. deeply about altruism, others. yeah, yeah. So that was my favorite part coming there because I, it? well, I mean, when I came, I was like 31, 31 maybe thirty three. I can't really recall. I just come from, uh, coincidentally enough, the guy who's uh, after you tonight uh, worked the job previously before coming to the friend school, which is really odd if you think about it. But wow, um, when I came there, I mean. I remember like not knowing what to expect and like coming. I, I remember I subbed uh, in third grade or I actually I had to come to observe or something before I, I start working. There was a substitute. I think it was like 2007 because I was on and off traveling with my band and then subbing back here and there. And um, I remember I wore like slacks, pleated slacks and like a ah, tuck, tucked ah, in like button up shirt. You know? Nice. I think I even had a tie. And then like I took the Ooh. tie off quickly because I realized, oh, man, I am I'm not dressed for this. I'm more dressed for how I dress when I go home. 
And that was a really cool feeling to like feel that and be like, oh, I can wear shorts. You, you call me Bob. You call me B.O.B. And, you know, a lot of people, I mean, I've interviewed people who have uh, asked me about that. How did, how did you feel about being called Bob? Was it, um, you know, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like dismissive or whatever, you know? I, I, disrespectful. Disrespectful, yeah. You know? Oh, man. I, I remember I used to get yelled at when I called my mom she, you know? like Right. Pro- and, like, I never understood that. I'm like, I, I just, it's a different way, you know, pronoun or, you know, like, whatever. Like, but for me, I like the kids calling me Bob. And I liked that I, I was able to get to know them pretty much like who I really am and not an, a, like a strict educator who's just looking to inflict his or her, her will on you. For God knew, I mean, I had, I had worked with so many teachers prior to coming to your school that um, I, I had lost my way really with education. I didn't really want to do it. I thought that that was it after like 2009 when I left uh, public school and didn't did Nordstrom. I thought that's it for me. I ain't going back to that. So I'm happy that I had the experience. Uh, that circus we put on for your daughter was uh, was awesome, man. I never forget, like, so working with Will Starr, who's yet to be on this show, by the Will way. Will Starr, shout you know, out to Will Starr. It's, it's more of a challenge to Will Starr to get himself here get on this on podcast. Get on here, Will. You're not going to get here before 200, but maybe in the early 200s you'll, you'll get to here and we can make, what was the name of his mixtapes he used to make? Oh, yeah. What was that called? Monads. Yeah, Monads. I remember when he's like, I've got this thing, Bobby. It's called Monads. I'm like, what? But, Monads um, 400. So, like, yeah, we put together the cir- – I remember, like, coming to the school, yeah, being called Bob, getting to know everybody, but then also being introduced to Will Starr's world of being like, yeah, we're going to teach, but we're also going to put on this circus. And he's like, it's also going to be, like, kind of like a, a rock show. And I was like, I can, I can do that, you know. I could put on a rock show. And – uh I'm very proud of the trilogy of uh, circuses we put on there, you know. They uh, they will live on in my heart forever just because it's such a great time. I never forget with your, your daughter's class when I talked them into playing Led Zeppelin. That was good. So tell me something. Tell me something. Why do you feel proud of those circuses? Because not only was it like, okay, so I was helping the kids feel good about themselves, which I feel best when other people feel good. I don't like seeing other people in pain. It, it's like, it, it comes off sometimes narcissistic to, other pe- narcissistic to other people, but I'm telling you, it's it's almost like a curse, like feeling people's like, you know, uh, dissatisfaction with their place in the world. So when you get to see somebody else, like feel a little bit what I experienced like on a stage in front of people where you feel that, you know, admiration that you're doing something good and you're, you're good and you, sh- you, you, you know, we're out there like a star on the stage. You know, that felt the best to me. And also, too, was like, I mean, even though I was 33, it, it was, I, there's no difference between the guy that was 33 and also the guy that was in fourth grade in, uh, what year was that, uh, 1990. You know what I mean? I, I felt 33 and 10 with them up there. That's because, great. Because it didn't, you know, like time really is just, you know, one long linear thing from start to finish, you know? And it's a shame that some people can't retain some of the feelings of, you know, imagination and stuff like that. And all the things that were fun when you were kids. We have this um, ongoing theme here on the podcast. We talk about wouldn't it be great if, like, uh, being a child lasted till you were, like, 22 instead of, like, you know, 15. Doesn't it? it? I mean, it'd be great. I mean, I, yeah. <laughs> well, actually, it does, it does last scientifically till you're 24 when your brain fully develops yeah. its into maturity but you know what i'm saying like imagine being yeah. 19 riding like a you know uh four four wheeler in the backyard you know what i mean like being a kid and just having fun you know it's a shame that like our time to have fun is cut so short well that's one of the things that i really appreciate about plymouth meeting friend school for these kids because mm-hmm. it's retained the elementary school model hasn't yeah. gone to the middle school model the pre-K through six means that those sixth graders, they get another year of their childhood, which yeah. they would lose if they went straight to middle school. Which doesn't really exist um, much other places that I've right. gone to because it so, was just that extra added feature. Because my friend, Mary Tofer Homan, for the country people listen to this, he was my first introduction really into the Plymouth Meeting Friends School was through his mother, Mary and they have a tree named after her that's Mary in the Holman. center. Yeah, Mary Holman. Yeah. Um, in the center of, uh, just it's in the center of everything at the school. And uh, that that was actually when I first learned about the Plymouth Meeting Friends School when Topher came into my middle school 
in seventh grade and he had like purple green like all these different color hair you know like things he, he was using markers i think but i was like really <laughs> into nirvana and like you know i never I, I think i set out to be his friend because i had never met another male with long hair and it's the truth Toph, if you're listening to this i hope you're having a good time up there in maine bud so yeah so that's one of the amazing things like uh, Luke, my son, who mm-hmm. just graduated sixth grade, there. I only have one more total, kid. Total, there. like future artist. He's above every. Uh, he's well, above, he's on a different wavelength, man. I'm man. I I don't know, but he's. Uh, we'll see. Uh, I mean, but, I remember when he was a really young boy, just oh, him yeah. being like, um, when I was a ar- when I was around him when I was young, I ha- I had the same sense of feeling like if I was like around, like uh, like uh like Banksy or like Andy Warhol or like some, you know what I mean? Like somebody who's like the counterculture, like he's like ready to like, you know, change people's perspective on things because I remember having conversations with him at a very early age and him being, you know, wiser than some of my close friends. Wow. I, that's amazing. Cause we don't get a lot of that at home. He doesn't talk to us a lot anymore. See, you know, you know, it's when you go, you see other things in other kids too, as a teacher, right. if you're a good teacher, you know, yeah. like, uh, you can see that you could see these uh, little things that can make them, you know, really grow to the next level. And it's a shame. Lots of other schools, you know, they inflict like what they think the the kids should learn. You right. know, I, I've never been a fan of that. So and the, I, I think the kids should have a choice, you know, I mean, as to how they go about their, their studies, you know, cause some people, for me, I can't do math at all. Like I, the whole time being a math teacher in fourth grade, faking it. You know what I mean? <laughs> totally faking it, kids. Okay, like I count on my fingers still because I'm so bad at math. My, and it's okay. It's okay not to be good at something, but what is good is to you know admit to it and you know work on it, but excel in other things that you're good at. Not everybody's going to be able to run a hundred yard dash in like you know seconds. You know, right. it's just part of life. You know, it's all part of uh, you know the way that we evolved. So, so, so I wanted to go back and ask you something. Yeah, that you brought up. You said you thought it was cool that the kids called you Bob. Yeah. But here's my question. Did the kids respect you? There was a, a different level of respect that has um, still uh, lasted to this day. You know? Yeah. I mean, like, uh, today was um, RJ's birthday. Remember RJ? Really? Yeah. So, like, I hit up RJ with a Godzilla gift to his mom. on nice. His mom's on Facebook, you know? Because I remember RJ liked Godzilla. I like Godzilla, you know? And uh, I had spoken to um, Noah. I spoke to Noah. Noah's an inspiring filmmaker. Right. I had spoken to... Um, sure. A lot of them, you know? And, like, anytime... It's great when I see a former student. But the, the first class... you were Your class, your yeah. daughter's class, was my first, you know, experience there. Yeah. So it was, like, my first band at the, like, the Plymouth Making Friends School. Ah. But, and there was a lot of great parents. And it, was good, it was a lot of good fun. I remember, though, being... I could tell you this... <laughs> I remember being so nervous to go to the potluck. Oh, really? I remember, like I, you know, w- w- working with Will and like, Will, I love you, but at the first couple of weeks, you didn't tell me anything. Like, oh yeah, be okay. By the way, we're going to this party on Friday. All the parents will be there. I'm like, what? We're going to all eat together? Because the public school people, you saw those parents for like 20 seconds. Hey, I don't, yeah, and that was it. You didn't right. actually get a chance to actually. Uh, sit at a table and talk to people, you know? So I think that that was a good experience for me because uh, I think that some part, some part of my generation turned the other way there where they didn't really um, engage in like long form talk or dinner, you know, being on the, you know, in a rush for everything. So I remember like uh, going to, to that, um, that potluck. And I remember like telling my wife, like I need to have a drink before we go. So we stopped at a bar beforehand just <laughs> so I can get my nerves down. And, and how was it? I had a great time. Yeah, I think we we were out back looking at like um, a tree where the, like uh, there was a placenta like uh, buried in like underneath a tree, and the tree had grown, which I thought was awesome. And there was chickens, and there was like a wood shop. I remember, I think, maybe that was a different house, but I had it's a great fine. time. Go with it. Yeah, I had a great time. I remember that. I remember thinking too, like, oh, the food's good, and I remember too, like, okay, so like here's another thing about the Plymouth Meeting Friends School, and. Um, it's the truth, okay? Before I went there, I had no um, concern for my general health. I eat whatever I wanted. I hadn't, I, I just went out and did whatever I wanted. I never even thought consciously about 
eating healthy. And then I start seeing like, you know, Whole Foods popped up down Plymouth meeting. I don't know. How long have they been there? Maybe longer. But they were just getting their yeah. footing and then they were doing stuff with the friend school. And I was just like, oh, I should try to, you know, eat better and, you know, do better for myself. And I remember, you know, the, I, I also remember talking about shell shock going to uh, Washington, D.C. for four days as a teacher. Because in a public school, you wouldn't do that. And I was very nervous going down there. But, uh, you know, those times I went were awesome. You know, experiences like no other. So, so, so are you ready to be a vegetarian now? Ah, uh, you know, here's the thing. I love vegetarian food. I'm trying to get the gangster vegan on here. You ever hear of him? He's no. Nar- okay, he's in Narstown. Excuse me, not gangster. Gangster with uh-huh. an R. Vegan. Look him up uh, on the internet. Okay. Uh, $12 vegan plate. It's amazing. Am I ready to be vegan? Well, or I, vegetarian? I um, well, I mean, my wife can't eat meat because she has uh, too much iron in her uh-huh. blood. So we eat a lot of fish. We eat turkey, um, stuff like that, uh, turkey burgers. But to me, I, I'm going to have to stick with protein just because it is part of my diet. But I do like vegan food, so I technically like to swim in both. So here's the thing. Here's the thing, mm-hmm. right? We look back on our parents, mm-hmm. and we say, can you believe they thought, fill in the blank here, was okay? <laughs> That's outrageous. That's immoral. Yeah. And you mark my words that our kids are going to say the same thing about us and eating any kind of animal protein, basically. Because if you look at the environmental case for being a vegetarian, Mm -hmm. there is no question that it is ethically the wrong thing to do to eat meat. I mean, not that I've stopped eating meat. (laughs) But but I I think that's what... I I have heard both sides of the argument, though. There is this whole thing where, yeah, but there's also areas where there is overpopulation. So it is certain things we should be eating and not others, really. There's certain game that we should be going after and not others. Like, we don't have to, you know... I I don't know if you've ever been through, uh, like, the middle of California where you drive through, like, uh, you know, Bakersfield and all those areas and you see all the cows and stuff. It's it's insane. It's really and it lasts and the smell is just insane and you're just like oh and what's going oh, on? Oh, by the way, there's no water there. Where's that water coming from? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So like also too, I mean like the stuff that we're putting in the the cows, you know, that's even more crazier. You know, like we're putting in these things. I just read today actually that uh, bottled water from Walmart is containing arsenic or something. Yeah. Arsenic? Is it arsenic or Probably. something? Probably. Something, like, something to that degree. So if you got bottled water from Walmart, you know, just get rid of it. Dump it so, in all in your front yard. So I had a conversation some years back with a friend of mine's father mm-hmm. who uh, was a agricultural professor at a university. And he told me long before people were talking about all of this, he said it's crazy to use the land to raise animals for food consumption because you could feed the entire world with the right crops planted just in the Midwest of the United States. It's insane. And so when you look at the environmental impact, you know, they say that if a family of four skips one meat meal a week, that's the same thing as driving 12,000 miles a year. Oh, that's great. What a great fact. Right? So so I'm saying from the our kids are going to look at how we've destroyed the environment all the stuff we've done, and they're going to look at us and say, wait, you ate <laughs> beef when you, you did knew? This, yeah, you right? knew it. Yeah. Right? Just in the same way we look back. Like, you know, yeah. we look at our parents and they did stuff that we know now is completely wrong. So that's <laughs> all. Funny. I'm just saying, we're the you know, it's going to keep I'm evolving. I'm watching uh, Big Little Lies Season 2 on HBO. Are you watching that? I, I am not they, watching that. They're talking that. exactly about that. Uh, one of the characters, spoilers, uh, gets upset because of she's in like third grade or something. They talk about global warming and she just goes into a deep, dark depression. So wait it, it's scary. Do you, do you watch that show? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So first season. Mm-hmm. Okay. We heard from all these people it was a great show. Mm-hmm. Holly and I started watching it. And there's that scene in like the very beginning of the first season oh, yeah. mm-hmm. where they publicly like the teachers like yelling at this kid yeah. in front of the school and everything else. And there's this whole drama in front of the school. And Holly and I were like, that would never happen. It is dramatized. It's based right. on a novel. But I mean, I actually I, I have seen. You think it's worth going back I, to? I, you know, I mean, like if I was going to write an experience, like a, I, I have seen some crazy stuff in the in the world of education, really, but in both. Private and public, really. But, I mean, 
it's just a, it's a, it's a strange profession in a way because it requires a certain type, you know. And like, so I I really think that the way that we select teachers should be there's there's just gotta be something different. Like edu, you, you don't go get educated to become an educator. You either are or you're not. You know what I mean? You either got the skill or you don't. You know what I mean? So it's like you gotta start them at an early age. Can you talk to people? You know? Can you relate? Can you feel what others are feeling? If you if you're if you're not doing it, I'm sorry. I'm really I'm an awesome like Fahrenheit 451 conservative tonight here on the Bobcast. <laughs> I well, think that we should have. Oh, and I, ca- here's my last yeah. thing that I was going to bring up too. Yeah. Is I had to take a like I was looking at the possibility of getting another uh, job. Um, I changed my career. I'm doing media design stuff like that. So I saw this job that I like, and it required me to take a personality trait test. The 16 personality. Have you oh, ever taken the one? ENJT. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't taken one in so long. You know those are total bullshit. Oh, of course. There's yeah. no data to support that it tells you oh, anything. The, yeah, and the way okay. that it's arranged. But yeah. I mean, it's just fun to do. Yeah, I'm go a, ahead. I'm a protagonist. Oh, okay. So, yeah. so you you didn't want to take the test, or you did that, want to take? That's the what test. it labeled me. It uh, labeled me a protagonist, somebody right. who's willing to you know take charge and you know. But I'm like, yeah, but that's my mind answering the questions. You know what I mean? Like, how about you come look at me? You know what I mean? Is my like? That's what I'm saying. Is like with teaching. I just oh man, there's so many so many times where. Um, I would just see certain things where, where it could have been better. And um, to be truth be told, I was never taken um, seriously because I always looked like a kid in, in, the, in the public school, definitely. I remember just feeling like uh, one of them more than a public school teacher. And it was, uh, it was a tough, tough like, thing to like, deal with, really. Well, to hit that point, mm-hmm. to hit that point, mm-hmm. back to the thing we were talking about earlier, mm-hmm. the kids who were in your class they respected you so much yeah they respected you so much they loved being in school with you every day but oh yeah they loved yeah but they respected you and Mm -hmm. that's and see that's the thing like i can there's a bigger point i want to draw out here Mm -hmm. i hear that all the time when people hear about friends school what your kids call your teachers by their first name i know right or you meet those them or something right or you meet those people on the block and you get introduced to their kids for the first time and, and they say, this is Mr. Markovitz. And you say, oh, it's fine. Call me Jeff. And they're like, no, that's Mr. Markovitz. And I'm like, all right, that's cool. That's your thing, right? You good? And mm-hmm. and that's not my thing, but I'm not, they're, they're the parent. They get to decide. Yeah. But the thing, they, they, they think they're teaching their child respect, but that's not how you teach respect. No, not at all. Respect is something you earn by showing respect by modeling respect mm, exactly if and 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 the thing i always say to parents who object to this idea of calling teachers by their first name i said how many teachers did you have growing up that you called mr or ms or mrs who you had zero respect for i know it's because it, right I, I just you I, can't you can't yeah. manufacture respect so for and, me it was good to, to have that experience because i always felt Actually, to be quite honest, though, at the public school, the kids did know that I was different. They knew that I was not like the normal person. You know what I mean? Like that's right. in that role, because you know they knew I they they knew I was in a rock and roll band. They knew that I drove the school in the the Scooby Snacks style <laughs> van that we all drove in. You know what I mean? The like, mystery machine. The mystery machine would roll up. You know, and like I remember the security guards at the school, like they were like had to be in their late fifties, early sixties. You know, just give me that glancy eye, like rock and roller coming in. Because sometimes I would drive home from like a long gig yeah. over the weekend and go right to work, man. Yeah. You know, because I had to. You know what I mean? Like I needed money, and the you know like it was good money for a young kid. But I mean. Even now, though, I still maintain contact with those kids. So I'm very happy that I had that experience, you know. I would say to somebody that uh, if, you, if you wanted to measure my wealth and value, value it in experiences against, you know, careers or salaries, I'm happy that I've done so many different things because I feel like I've got more to go and I didn't just do one thing that was just like, ah, you know. Like, you got to do that. And you could start today. You don't have to just be like, I'm going to do the same thing, you know. I haven't said it in a while, but tomorrow morning, don't go the same way to work. Go a different way. Yeah, that's a good idea. You know? So, do you know, speaking of music, do you know that I play the drums? Did you know that I did know that? You did know that? I did. You did know that, okay. No, I didn't. I was just playing, but I I always knew that you had some sort of performing quality in you. Well. You got yourself a kid? 
when I haven't played in years. Okay. But I do have a drum set. And he did say something to me it, way back. It's at my yeah. office. Mm-hmm. So my very long story short, mm-hmm. for technical reasons, I had to stay uh, another semester at college. And I only had to take one class. Mm-hmm. And I basically taught took like clap for credit because mm-hmm. I was done my major. I was done everything else. I only had to take one course. So I went out. And I, one day I said, I'm going to learn to play the drums. And I went out and I bought a drum set. I set up giant speakers behind my drum set. And I would put on music and I would just sit there for like hours and hours every day playing the songs that I like learning how to play the drums. That's exactly what I am currently doing right now. Exactly what you just described. Drums? So I, I just about maybe I would say really pursuing it for maybe the last two years before i would just go in there and tinker around but now i'm actually listening to music on loudspeakers behind me playing to it and figuring out the it's parts the best and there is nothing quite like it it's okay? the best my wife actually encourages it which is awesome because she's like yeah i you know like when i i get my son first she comes home from work i can go in there and drum before dinner right and get a good sweat in there's nothing better than playing drums to like a track you like Oh, I know. It's awesome. You know what I mean? I mean, playing guitar and bass, which I can do, is nowhere near rewarding as playing the drums and hitting that pocket the same oh. way. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, yes. That, that so, feeling is just amazing. So what were some of the first songs that you like drumming to? Um, currently, right now, I'm listening to... Um, hold on one second. Let me... I'm listening to a lot of uh, 21 Pilots. Okay. And you know how you're talking about how kids are having a hard time being teenagers? Yeah. I had no clue before I went to their show how much they're involved with like keeping kids alive. Oh, I had no idea. Yeah, me either. Um, I actually have um, tonight's guest walking in. Okay. The next guest coming in, but I want to I will wrap up with a couple closing thoughts here. First, um, I really appreciate it. This last hour was great. I mean, everything you brought up tonight, you know, it it, it just exemplifies what I said at the beginning. That you're, you know, just a, an awesome human being. You're a great dad. You're a good leader at the Plymouth Meeting Friends School. And, you know, I'm happy uh, that I came into your life and you came into my life and your kids came in and that whole experience, um, you know, and also to your wife, Holly, I uh, wish you guys the best. Thank you, man. This is great. So cool. much fun. It's like Thanks therapy. for having me. It's like therapy. I, I, we'll have you back without okay. a doubt. Okay. I always do like a Bobcast All-Stars. But okay. I'm thanks ready. Thanks very much. Uh, my name is Bob. This has been another episode of Bobcast. <laughs>